What is going on everyone? Anthony Drew Gary here, host of The How-To Show, where we optimize life, money, and happiness, one how-to episode at a time. It is time for part three in our series of how to pay for college using as little student debt as possible, and this time we're gonna tackle the freshman year of college. If you haven't seen the first two videos in this series, now would be a good time to check up on those. The links will be in the video description. A quick recap of our progress. We're talking about an incoming college student pursuing a four-year undergraduate degree who has no money saved for college and who is not eligible for need-based assistance. And our total cost estimate for that schooling would be about $95,000. And so far in our series, we've knocked that number down to about $71,000. In last week's video, we touched on school choice, and most everything was geared toward in-state schools, but I want to briefly touch on out-of-state schools because they deserve a mention specifically when it comes to reciprocity agreements. Sometimes neighboring states will have agreements where you can attend the other state's state schools for in-state tuition even though you live in the neighboring state. Now this is a very specific circumstance and you need to do your research to determine if this is a play for you, but there may be opportunities here to still get in-state tuition and open up more schools to your selection set. So we've selected a school and it's time to start the college journey. Because we don't have enough cash on hand to cover all of our upfront college costs, we'll need to take a student loan to cover our freshman year expenses. Loan paperwork is usually completed either in the spring of senior year of high school or in the summer before college starts. And you'll receive paperwork from your university which will tell you how much money you're permitted to borrow. And most schools require tuition to be paid up front. So getting this paperwork completed is priority number one before you head to school. Let's stop there for a second and break down the two different types of loans, subsidized and unsubsidized. Those two little letters are worth thousands of dollars, so this is important. Subsidized loans are taken out, and you owe no interest on these loans during the time that you're a student up until, I believe, six months after you graduate. The lender subsidizes the interest. It's not often in life that you can borrow money interest-free, so this is great. On the other hand, unsubsidized loans do not have this perk, and interest starts accruing on these loans immediately once they're taken out. So, for example, the loans that you would take out during your freshman year would accrue interest during sophomore year, junior year, and senior year, and, and beyond until they're paid off. So my recommendation is different based on which type of loan you're able to obtain. If you only have unsubsidized loans available to you, I would recommend to borrow as little money as possible, and this is going to require that you set up a budget for college so that you don't run out of money before the year is over. Uh, the best plan to, to get through college is to spend as little as possible and be thinking of ways to cut costs while you're in school. I promise you that you can still have a ton of fun at college while being frugal. Trading in soft drinks and alcohol for water will not only save you money, it'll also save you pounds on the scale. Believe it or not, the freshman 15 is optional. If you have access to subsidized loans, and only if you have the willpower to carry this out, it might make sense to borrow as much as you can and open a high interest savings account through Capital One, Goldman Sachs, or some other institution. 
there's an interest arbitrage play here because you're going to make between one and a half and two and a half percent interest on money in which you're not being charged any interest to borrow. And this won't make you rich, but it is free interest in which you can can earn a little bit of a spread on that money during the entire time that you are in school. Fast forward with me and it is time to arrive on campus for the school year. Aside from showing up for class, completing assignments, and hitting your learning objectives, I have 10 must-dos for freshman year. First and foremost, you need to befriend your resident assistant. This is a good move to keep you out of trouble in general, but it's also a powerful financial move. The bulk of the rest of our plan for graduating with as little debt as possible hinges on becoming a resident assistant for subsequent years. So interview your resident assistant and figure out how the selection process works at your school. Find out how they're compensated. It's pretty standard that resident assistants get free room and board, uh, plus their meals, and maybe even a small amount of money throughout the year. But this varies from school to school, and this is something that you need to figure out to make sure you understand how it works. Once you've learned all the rules for becoming a resident assistant, make sure you're following all of the rules to get selected. And I'm talking about those that are written and unwritten. If you have to take a one credit preparation course to be able to apply to BNRA, learn what that course is in your first week on campus and make sure that you're taking it your second semester uh, while you're there. If you find out the RA selection process heavily benefits applicants who are active in their dorm or their residence hall, student government or hall council, get involved in those things as a freshman. They won't take up a ton of time in your week and usually they occur right where you live so you don't have to travel for them or anything. They're not terribly inconvenient and you'll meet a lot of people doing it. For the purposes of our exercise, we're going to assume that you follow the rules and that you're selected to become a resident assistant for your sophomore year. Most schools will allow resident assistants to renew their contract for subsequent years, and so this arrangement can hypothetically cover room and board for sophomore, junior, and senior years. And if you're looking for extra credit, there may be an opportunity at your school to try to become a resident assistant mid-year, which would be during freshman year, so look at that to see if that's an opportunity. Sometimes resident assistants either graduate, transfer, uh, get terminated, whatever the case is, sometimes there is a need for mid-year resident assistants. So look at this. This could be an opportunity to get an extra semester. At the very least, we're going to bank on three years of being a resident assistant, maybe three and a half, depending on how we can pull this off. My second must do is to meet people and make friends. And I know this can be easier said than done, but you need a support system while you're in college. Sometimes you'll need help, sometimes you'll need to vent, and sometimes you'll need to have fun. And everyone around you needs these things too, so help one another and be a blessing in their lives. The third must-do is to find a part-time job for freshman year. And it's important to note not all part-time jobs are created equal. There are plenty of opportunities in restaurants or in retail but I urge you to compare those against some of the on-campus options, specifically anything you can find where you might be able to do your homework while you're working the job. There is nothing better than getting paid to do your homework. Look at the library, for instance. It's possible you might be able to pick up hours really early in the morning on weekends or really late at night on weekdays. 
where it's not busy, you can take care of your tasks and then do your homework while you're getting paid. There's nothing better than that. The emphasis here is to continue to make money while we are a freshman so that we can borrow as little as we can. And there are studies that show that students who have part-time jobs while in college graduate with higher GPAs than those who don't anyway. So there's really no bad concept behind working while you're in school. The fourth must do is to work with your friends and the library to figure out how to buy as few textbooks as possible. And the pure academics may not agree with this, but I promise you the textbook costs relative to the use you get out of them is not equal. The cost of textbooks are out of control and I don't personally know how to change that, but I do know how to get by without them. If you buy, by chance befriend people that are in your classes, try to make an, an exchange opportunity. If you buy the books for this class, they can buy the books for the other class. You can share your books and pool your resources and everybody gets the same benefit and you only have to pay half as much. The alternative to that is that most professors will take a copy of their required texts and hold them in course reserves at the library and you can go and you can look at those books. I don't believe you can check them out at most universities, but you still have access to the books if you need them. And more often than not, you might not need them anyway. Just, just check that out, feel that out at your specific university in your specific degree program. There's an opportunity where you can probably save some, some money there. The fifth must do is befriending your professors and tapping into their networks. This is a good way to get connected to former students who might now be making hiring decisions and you're paying tuition for access to these professors, so you might as well take advantage of both what they know and who they know. The sixth must do is to not forget about local scholarship hunting like we learned in the last video. Some local scholarships can be renewed. You may need to look into that if you have one of those. And you'll also learn during freshman year about new scholarship opportunities, either specific to your major, specific to your college, or specific to your university. So be sure to check those out. I once heard that scholarships multiply scholarships when you're, you're writing your essays and your applications. So when you apply for these scholarships, be sure to put your best foot forward and don't be bashful about your accomplishments this far. The seventh must do is you must stick with your major. And graduating in eight semesters is hugely important in keeping our costs down. If you ask around to all the adults you'll know, you'll find the majority of people end up working outside of their major anyway. It's usually more important that you graduated from college, more so than what you specifically studied. For example, I graduated from architecture school and for a while I worked in construction project management and now I work in real estate development and it's incredibly common for people to work adjacent to whatever industry they studied. Just because you studied one thing does not mean that you have to do that for the rest of your life. It is more important to get out of school in eight semesters than it is to bounce around and change your major three times and end up there for six years. There is no way that the cost benefit analysis would work out in your favor to just continue to pile up those tuition bills when you can get out more efficiently. The eighth must do is actually a must not do. And I know I'm going to get some hate mail for this, but you need to avoid pledging a fraternity or sorority. And there are two main reasons here. 
Number one is the dues for Greek life are usually very expensive and the ancillary costs throughout the years all add up and when you're trying to go to school and graduate with as little of that as possible this is something that can be cut from the budget and I promise you you can still have fun in college without joining Greek life. Number two reason why we need to avoid Greek life is most of the sororities and fraternities have requirements where you would need to live in Greek housing for some of your college experience and based on our plan of being a resident assistant you'll need to live in the university housing as part of your job so that we can get room and board covered for the next three years. The ninth must do is to start looking for a summer job in early March. If you can return to your hometown and work while living for free that probably makes the most financial sense but if that's not an option for whatever reason, take a look at the university's housing department to determine if they have any jobs for the summer that provide a place to live. Most universities that have on-campus housing will host conferences throughout the summer and they need student staff to make those run. So check that out. It's a good opportunity to have a place to live all summer for free. Thinking larger picture, it's unlikely that you'll produce or possess enough skills within your major to land an internship after freshman year, but I encourage you to look anyway. If nothing else, it'll provide you opportunities to connect with folks in your industry, and maybe you'll be able to land an internship with those people in subsequent years. The tenth and final must-do occurs at the end of each year, and it is a huge hack, a good possibility that you can make some money doing this. If your college has a substantial international population, be on the lookout for which, which residence halls house the international students because it's not uncommon for the international building's trash bins to be overflowing with books, furnishings, and other discarded items simply because those students have decided to throw everything away instead of trying to take them back to whatever country that they spend their summers at. Grab onto that stuff. It's a good opportunity to flip it on Facebook, make some extra money, and ultimately keep those things out of landfills. Everybody wins, and it's a good opportunity to, uh, to make some money there. All right, I just threw a lot of information at you in a short amount of time. We're going to recap everything on one slide so that you can screen capture it. After we've tackled all of those things, let's take a look at how we're doing with our overall costs. Now we're looking at the costs, and if we focus on only the yellow cells, you'll recall we were originally looking at about 95 grand in total cost of college, but through being a resident assistant for three years, by finding a summer job, by finding a side hustle, be it international flipping or something similar, and picking up one extra local scholarship, we have taken our costs all the way down to what will now be 34 126 and change, which is a substantial decrease from the 95 grand where we started. If you're still with me to this point, hopefully you found some actionable tips that either you can use or you can share them with somebody who might be able to use them. Please smash the subscribe button and hit the like button as well to let other people know that they should be checking this video out. Until next time, this is Anthony Drew Gary, host of The How-To Show, signing off.